and those of you who are still of school age dreadfully remember exams, taking exams. Uh, maybe on the job that you have, you have to take certain exams, maybe certain accreditations that you have to receive or something else that you have to do. You're, you're examined to make sure you're qualified for the job that you're doing. Certainly, there is the idea of going to the doctor's office for an exam, which we all dread. Uh, nobody wants to go to the doctor. No one wants to have a doctor exam, but sometimes that's necessary. All of those kind of exams that I just mentioned and others that you can think of typically involve someone else evaluating you, someone else examining you to see what your condition is or what your situation is. But this morning, I want to talk about uh, an examination that is way more important than those that other people do of us. I want to talk about what Paul suggested we should be doing in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. We want to talk about this very important self-examination that Paul urged us to do there in that text that we'll be studying this morning. It's ultimately important, more important than any other exam that could be given to us in this lifetime, important that we examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. We stop here for just a minute to add words of welcome to those that Lee already expressed. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad that the weather allowed us to be here today without hindrance. Uh, we appreciate you and we're encouraged by you. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. As we study along together from the Word of God, a couple things to keep in mind. One is make sure that we're accurately handling God's Word, that we're not misusing the text or abusing the inspired Word. Make sure that we're doing it right. And then, of course, the challenge for us all is be prepared to put into practice the things that we learn from the Word of God. That's what makes this a valuable exercise. Without that, it's not. And so thanks for being here this morning. We appreciate you very much. Let's talk about examining yourselves, as Paul instructed there in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. If we're going to do this examination, several things have to be true. First of all, our examination has to be a personal examination. I want you to notice that text again. Paul said, examine yourselves. That's the emphasis. You, you've got to be working on yourself. It's so easy for us to see the faults of others, but it's a more important thing to see our own faults. But that's what we typically ignore, isn't it? I can see what's wrong with the other guy so clearly. I can, I can line it out for you. But it's harder for me to look introspectively. It's harder for me to really consider and own up to what my own faults are. But that's what's essential. And that's what Paul's instructing here. Examine yourselves. In the text that James read for us earlier, uh, we're, we're very familiar with the story Jesus told in Luke chapter 18, beginning verse 10, about the, the Pharisee and the publican. Read it again real quickly. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, notice, or even as this publican. He could say, that guy, I'm glad I'm not like him. Look at all his faults. Look at all his errors. He says, I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. 
We know this story well. And what's so clear is that the Pharisee saw no problem with himself at all. And he didn't confess any error. In fact, basically what he did was brag about the things that he had personally accomplished. And in the process of that, he cast off on this publican, this tax collector. But the publican ignored the Pharisee. He didn't make reference to the Pharisee at all. In fact, he was thinking of himself. And he dealt with his own issues. There where the text says that he smote upon his breast, I understand that that was a very common way of expressing remorse and contrition back in that time. And so he smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He dealt with himself. He dealt with his own issues. He was looking at his own problem. And very importantly, Jesus said it was that man, the publican, who went down to his house justified rather than the other. We've got to look at ourselves. We know Matthew 7 very well. And I won't take time to read that whole text that we read so often. But I just emphasize what Jesus said in verse 5 of that familiar text. He said, First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. What do you do first? Jesus said, First, you take care of your own problems. Then maybe you can help somebody else with a problem, but you make sure you're taking care of yourself first. And I think that goes to the point we're trying to establish here. This examination, it has to be personal. I have to be dealing with my own problems. I want to tell you, I I, I do not think we are immune from this danger of looking to others' problems while ignoring our own. I think we see evidence of it even in the church today. Let me give you a couple examples of what I mean. I think, I'm pretty sure in fact, I'd be almost positive, I suppose, to say this. That every congregation that I've ever been a member of through the years, I have heard at some time or another the congregation being accused as unfriendly. That those people are unfriendly. That's an unfriendly church. I've heard that accusation about this church, for instance. And in every instance concerning this church and every other one that I've ever been a member, I think it's a false accusation. Because every church that I've ever been a member of, I believe, was a true friendly group of people. I think this is a very friendly group of people. And so, but the, but people will make that accusation. But you know what has also been true? The people who make that accusation are themselves typically the most unfriendly kinds of person. Uh, and so it's easy for them to say, I think those people are unfriendly. I think the church is unfriendly. Are they themselves friendly? They're not looking at themselves. If it were true that this was an unfriendly church, I don't think it's true, not even close. But if it were true, the the solution to that would be to be friendly myself and try to help turn that situation around. Look at yourself, examine yourself in that regard. Or another example, uh, I've often heard this mentioned. No, nobody is doing anything. The church, the people in the church just got to get busy. Nobody's doing anything. I've heard that accusation over and over again all through the years, different congregations. And always when that accusation is made, I have a couple questions. First of all, how, do, how does the accuser know that? How does the accuser know that nobody's doing anything? Are you aware of what everyone else is doing? You know, the fact of the matter is most people, when they get busy doing the work of God, are not doing it to make a a name for themselves. They're not doing it to make a show, to get the praise of men. Our Savior warned about that approach, didn't He? You don't do your good deeds to be seen of men, to get their praise. 
So my first question to the person who says nobody's doing anything is to ask, how do you know? But my second question to them is, what are you doing? You know, if nobody's doing anything, aren't you somebody? Couldn't you be doing something? And maybe by doing something, uh, others will imitate the lead that you offer. But the point I'm making here is, be personal in evaluating yourself. Instead of being so quick to judge everybody else, I can judge everybody else so accurately, I think. But I'm, it's hard for me to judge myself. But that's what is really needed. I really need to be looking personally. So this examination needs to be very personal. Secondly, it needs to be an honest evaluation. The danger is that even if we do look at ourselves, we, we won't be honest in our evaluation. James talked about this in a familiar text in James 1. He said, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Notice, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You can deceive yourself if you look into the word but you don't apply the word. So that would be a dishonest thing, right? I'm supposed to be evaluating myself and maybe I even read the Bible to consider what's there, but I don't make application to myself. I'm deceiving myself. In the parable of the sower, in Luke chapter 8, when Jesus was telling what the parable meant, he said in Luke 8 verse 15, that the seed that was sown on good ground are they which, notice, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. We need an honest and good heart that will take the truth and really make true application. Now, that's what's necessary if we're going to produce God-honoring fruit. The fact of the matter is, we might as well be honest about this, honest with ourselves. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. You might as well, in this evaluating process, you might as well be honest with yourself. There is no value in being dishonest and deceiving yourself because... The truth is that God knows us better than even we know ourselves. Be honest with yourself in evaluation. What do people do, though? Well, I've got this thing going on in my life, and I don't really, I really don't want to give it up. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just keep going around in the religious world. I'm going to go from church to church. I'm going to go from denomination to denomination. Uh, even among our own brethren, I'm going to go from different congregation to different congregation until I find someone who will tell me what I want to hear. Tell me that I'm okay. You know, extreme examples of that would be the homosexuals. I'm just going to keep church shopping until I find somebody somewhere tell me I can continue in my homosexual lifestyle without condemnation. Maybe a more practical application for us is divorce and remarriage. I'm going to keep... Uh, I'm going to keep shopping for preachers until I find one who tells me that this marriage I'm in is okay. Some guys have been telling me no, that I'm in an unscriptural. I don't like to hear that. And so I'm going to keep church shopping and preacher shopping until I find someone who tells me I'm okay. That's not an honest evaluation, is it? 
Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from truth and will turn aside to myths. All of those kind of things represent a dishonest examination. We need to be honest in our personal examination. In order for it to be an honest evaluation, though, it's got to be based upon the true standard. You ever pull up to the gas pump at the gas station and think, I wonder if this thing is really giving me a gallon of gas when it says that it is. You know, I'm paying these high prices for gasoline and you think they're really giving me a full gallon for that high price I'm paying? Well, the state understands that there might be a problem with that, so they go around and they actually test the, the pumps and the meters to make sure they're accurate. And they put a little sticker on there. But when I look at that sticker, you know, maybe this pump was test, test, uh, tested last April. You know, it's been almost a year. You think that guy inside who's making money on the sale of gas, you think he couldn't have tampered with that pump after the state inspector left? Yeah, it's got to be a true measure, right? I always think about that, especially when I see those stickers on the gas pump and they're months and months and months old. Do you think that this hasn't been tampered? you think I'm really getting a gallon of gas for the price I'm paying? We want weights and measures that are accurate, right? That's what we are saying. Well, spiritually, it's the same thing. Uh, but unfortunately, people are trusting other standards. They're trusting their own feelings. Uh, they're trusting that they're okay by comparing themselves with other people. They're trusting what their preacher says without comparing it to the Word. We have got to go to the true standard if we're going to get a real evaluation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Beginning verse 3, Paul says, But with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. Paul said, it really doesn't matter so much to me what you think of me. He says, and, and it doesn't even really matter what I think of myself. What matters is what does the Lord think of me? What's his evaluation? And, of course, we know what standard he's using to judge us. John 12, verse 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so we've got to use that objective standard of the word of God if we're going to have a true, accurate examination of self. We've got to have the right purpose or motive in doing this evaluation. The exam must be done with the purpose of being right with God. I shouldn't evaluate myself with the purpose of seeing if I look good to you all. You know, I want to make sure I look good to you all. And, and because I'm so concerned that I look good to you, I'm going to, I'm going to conduct my business in such a way as that I'm going to really be promoting my good side to you and I'm going to be hiding my bad side. You know, Maybe at home I'm just a mean, hateful ogre. But here I'm going to be pleasant and positive and smiling and I'm going to brag on you and I'm going to flatter you and I'm really going to try to get on your good side, see, because I really am concerned about how you view me. That's not the main thing, right? 
The main thing is how does God view us? And in this matter of self-examination, are we examining ourselves with the goal of being right with God? Ultimately, that's all that matters. Are we going to approach it that way? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, notice, Peter says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. You have been, what's your purpose? What have you been called? What is the purpose of your calling? To walk in the steps of Jesus. And so it's telling us our purpose is to imitate Him. And as we evaluate ourselves, we should be asking, am I fulfilling this purpose? Am I imitating my Master in all that He did? But not just in what His actions were, not just what His outward deeds were. In Philippians 2 verse 5 it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I should not only try to do what Jesus did, I should try to think like Jesus thought. I want His mind to be in me. You know, sometimes these days we use the expression mindset. What's your mindset? And basically, we're saying, what is your attitude? Well, what is your attitude? You should want your attitude, your mindset, your thinking to be just like Jesus was. So in action and even in thought, my purpose of evaluating myself is to make sure, am I doing the things like Jesus did? Am I thinking the way Jesus thought? In Romans chapter 12, beginning verse 1, Paul says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice in this famous text, Paul said two things. He says, first of all, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. So make sure outwardly you're doing the right thing. But notice he said, renewing of your mind as well. Make sure you're thinking right too. It's not just a matter of outward deeds. It's a matter of even getting your heart, your thoughts, your mind in line with the will of God. And so again, I would stress to you that in the matter of this personal, personal, honest evaluation based upon the objective standard of the Word of God, my goal is to be right with God, to be right with Him, and, and nothing else matters at all in comparison to that. Make sure that is the goal that you're striving for. And then finally, let me suggest to you that this self-examination has to be a continually ongoing affair. We are never done. You're never going to say, well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I passed the test. It's finished. It's over. I don't have to even think about that anymore. You're never going to get there. Go back to the original text that we started with in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Paul said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Notice the word examine. The word examine. This is from the Greek verb pirazo. Pirazo, if I'm saying that right. Uh, it's, it's a fairly common verb in the, the Greek New Testament. It's found 38 times, I understand. It literally means to discover the nature or quality of a thing. Now get that. Here's a verb. What, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to examine. And the Greek verb means to discover the nature or the quality of a thing. 
Well, what is the thing that you're supposed to be trying to discover? Well, it's yourself, right? You're supposed to be trying to discover the nature or quality of yourself. That's what we're being instructed to do. But a very important aspect of this is the tense of this verb. And we know that Greek verb tenses carried real significance. This verb in the Greek is in the present tense, which indicates ongoing action, not finished, not ended. And so I'm, we would probably say instead of ex- examine yourself, we would, in order to get that meaning across in English, we would say be examining yourself which would suggest keep on doing it. You're not done. You're not finished. We're never going to be done with this. We are constantly going to be needing to evaluate our standing before God. Be examining yourself. Uh, I think that's the important meaning here that we get. It's not a one and done situation. We've got to keep examining ourselves. So, lots of exams in this world. Principally, primarily, typically... Exams are something that someone else does to us. At school, on the job, at the doctor's office, other people examining us. But this one is more important. This is the one that we do for ourselves, and it's because it's all about eternity. It's about serving God. We gotta, we gotta look at ourselves. It's so easy to look at others. This is telling us, look at yourself and be honest. Base your evaluation on the true standard of God's Word. With the whole idea in mind is, I want to be right with Him. Nothing else matters. And keep on doing it. You're not done. Do it today. Do it tomorrow. Do it the next day. Keep on examining yourselves. The most important examination of all. What about you this morning? As you examine yourself, do you find that you are in a right standing with God or not? What? couple things. First of all, if you're not a Christian, if you've never obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, if you've never done those things necessary in order to be saved from your past sins, then you're not right with God. And that's a pretty quick test. That's a pretty easy examination. If you understand the truth, but you've not obeyed the truth, you need to make that decision without delay. If we can assist in your obedience this morning, as you've heard the truth and believed it, will you repent? Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. That's what you need to do as you examine yourself. But on the other hand, it may be that you're already a Christian, but you realize as you examine yourself that you've not been living the way God would have a Christian to live. If that's the case, you need to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can assist you in praying with you and for you, we'd be glad to do that. We'd be anxious to do that. Let us know how we can help as we stand and sing this song. Thank you.